Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. How do you grow in a dark year? My, oh my, what a year this has been. And how do you pick up the pieces? Where do you start? Um, some of us here, we are privileged because we've not um, been retrenched. Many people have been. Um, I don't know the stat. There is stats out there, but we had more domestic abuse than other years. Um, I hear horrible stories of people dying um, it's, it's been a dark year. It's been a difficult year. And I know if you are here, you've been affected by it in one way or another. Maybe your darkness was not so much that you lost your job or lost someone you love, but maybe in a way your faith went shipwreck. Um, maybe in a way you've been stuck since the beginning of lockdown where you just feel, man, I, I just don't feel connected to Jesus. And maybe that's a dark time for you, but how do you grow in a dark year or out of a dark place? Where do you start? Where do you start? That's what I'm on to tonight. Now, I want to reflect on one or two things. I want to talk about your heart and, and with it, maybe your emotions, but I don't want to when I mean your heart, I might be meaning your emotions. So is that okay? Can you just, when I speak about your, your heart, I mean your emotions or your inner being. When I say your emotions, I mean your heart. Are you okay with that? You know, there's two ways we deal with these dark times. And maybe this is not reserved for times such as lockdown, right? But it, it's, it's a pretty good time to mention it. But there's two ways in which we can approach our hurting hearts, our emotions, our thoughts we have about ourselves, our fears. There's two ways that does not work, and the third way is the only way that does work. But let me start with that. It will never work. The first way is the old Afrikaner way. When you ask my dad, what's in your heart, he will fall from his chair. That is not something you talk about. What is in your heart? Nothing. All right? Just leave me alone. Bring me a beer. <laughs> you know? Because there's nothing wrong with my heart. All right? I don't talk about those things. And so the one way that I hope God can lead us out of is to say, but there's nothing really a matter with me. I'm okay. I don't have a dark time. I know my mom passed away and my brother, but this, like really, it's nothing. It's to dismiss it altogether. And it's always been connected with, on the religion side of grace. Because what if someone sees that I actually need help? That is weakness. So you know what's wrong? Nothing. You cannot grow like that. And I'll, I'll tell you in a moment why. The second problem is not that my emotions is nothing, but that it actually defines me. It is everything. 
the pendulum swings all the way over. In other words, it is not my fault that I left my wife and my beautiful kids. It's not my fault my heart moved on to another woman. The heart wants what it wants. And my heart told me that I'm done with this marriage. Man, I, I wish my heart hadn't told me that. But who am I to object? Because I am my feelings. And so when I feel I can't do something, I just can't do it. When I feel I don't like something, there's nothing I can do about it because I am my heart's condition. Can you see the problem? It's crazy. It's the liberal train of thought that we are moving in today. And it's crazy how much authority has been given to thoughts and it's extremely dangerous. But there's a third way to deal with it, which God is inviting us into, which is a way how you grow out of a dark time, out of a position of your heart. And so I want us to look at Jesus. What did he do just before we go to Hebrews? So if you, if you have to think about it, would he be more on the side? I mean, this man is God and man. All right. Would he feel a little bit less of the trauma we experience? Or will he deal? What would he do? And some of you would know where I'm going here, but I've, I've actually... Only when I prepared for this sermon, saw this scripture in this way. So this is how Jesus did it. You can follow on the screen. Hebrews 5 verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. To him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And some of the things Jesus suffered was by experiencing the suffering of a human heart. He would say at the tomb of Lazarus, it's like my intestines are twisted. I am greatly afflicted at seeing this. We know his body also got tired. He said, I'm thirsty. I'm sitting down. I am hungry. But when it comes to the condition of his heart, he did not say, no, it does not exist. Okay, just leave me alone. I'm God, okay, remember. But yet on the other side, he did not say, I am my feelings. Because if we just go to the next verse, let's read that together. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. It's again our God and Savior speaking. See what he does with what's in himself? Even to death, remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. If Jesus was a modern-day liberal, he would say, Father, now that I come to think of it, Because this does not feel right, this cannot be your will. Because my heart is telling me I don't like this cup, surely don't discriminate against me, Father, by asking me to do something against my emotions. That's not what he did. He brings his heart, yet he says, Father, but 
not my will be done, but yours. If we look at the Psalms, we see a very interesting, I don't know who of you have read some of these Psalms where David is expressing his heart at one stage. He says, will you kick the teeth out from those who oppose me? Who have ever read that in the Bible? That's David. Okay, crush the teeth of those who are persecuting me. What is he doing? He is praying his emotions. He's praying his emotions to God. He says, Lord, I feel like I want to take a brick right now and smash someone in the face. David's prayers are not all right in biblical in the sense that that is what God wants you to say, but it's in the Bible for us to see. So what do you do with your heart? You don't ignore it. You don't let it define you. What do you do with your emotions? You pray it. You pray it and then you say, Lord, now, I don't ignore it because I have it, so I bring it, but I also bring it to you because I'm not saying these things are fixed. When I bring it to you, you put your hand in my heart, I can grow in a dark time. What is the right thing to do with your real heart? You pray it to God. Follow the example of Christ. We see the same here. King Hezekiah, great king, was a great war king. At one stage, the Assyrians comes to him with a letter after the Assyrians captured and killed a lot of people and conquered a lot of kingdoms. And this is basically what they say. Your God can do nothing and we are going to don't laugh. I'm not trying to be funny. It's scripture. We're going to make you poop and then eat it. That's what he writes in the letter. Gives it to King Hezekiah. That is funny, Luke. That is funny. And so they're being threatened with their lives. What does this man do? He received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah, listen up, went up to the house of the Lord and spread it open before the Lord. Spread it open. And he prayed, Lord, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. And then he goes on and he explains these threats. I don't have it on there. But what does this man do with the concerns of his heart for his life? He, like Jesus, he prays it to God. He says, here it is, Lord. At one stage in Psalm 51, David writes, he says, you delight in truth in the inward parts. Now, I want to tell you something. When you come to God with the truth of your heart and you bring it to him worshipfully, you've got God's attention because you are bringing to light what's in your heart. It's very powerful. Psalm 112 verse 4 says the following. It says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. And what it says is, even if it feels like a dark year, like a dark moment, dark time in your family or marriage, for the man who comes to God truly, an uprightness of heart, doesn't, doesn't mean you're perfect, it means you're coming before him real. There's a light 
that dawns in the darkness. And if the light is coming from that side, it means there's, that's the way you are called to go. And if the light from God, which he calls you, come from that side, then that's the way you'll go. How do you grow through a dark time? You bring the essence of your heart before the Father. You say, this is why this time is dark for me, Lord. Help me. And the light will dawn in the darkness. When the spirit of truth comes, he will do what? He will guide you. So there's three things I want to challenge you with tonight. How do you grow in a dark year? You don't say, I don't have a heart that's aching. You don't ignore your heart. You don't say, it defines me. You don't say, it is everything. The first thing you do, number one, is you pray your heart to God. You pray your heart. Sorry for that typo. But the second thing you do is you take your first step towards the light. You do it. Sorry for that spelling mistake. You take your first step. You just do it. No, but you know, I am extremely scared of small groups of people. And this thing in church is literally called small group. <laughs> like for me, you put a mask all over your head if you have to. Okay, but you take that first step. You just do it. You take your first step because a light is dawning. If maybe that is what God is showing to you. Maybe you bring your heart to God. You say, Lord, my sister, oh man, I, I don't know what to say. We haven't spoken for five years. And maybe the Holy Spirit says, pick up your phone and call. Then just do it. Take the first step. That is how you grow through a dark time and I'm just thinking of Jesus in the garden father take this cup from me but the father instead strengthens him to take the cup and he stands up and takes his first step towards the cross that saves all of our lives take the first step just do it the last thing you do is you reach out your hand for God spirit of truth when he comes he will guide you. Afrikaans says, he is my leitsman. So, you bring your heart, you take that first step, you put your hand out. That is called your first step of faith. Now, even if the other leg are still in the air, you don't know how you're going to do it. Don't worry about that leg. Worry about the first one. Take the first step. I have a friend this week that had to make a very big decision and it's one of those decisions when you, make, when you make the decision, you need the next part to be there as well. But I agree with him. He heard correctly what he had to do, but he could only take one step. Now he's stuck in the middle, but he was obedient for as far as he could see. How do you grow in the dark here? You pray, and then you have to take a step of faith. You have to do it. And you hold out your hand. You're not alone. Amen. If you look around you, there is many people in one way, shape, or form that need to take their first step. So let our faith be contagious, not our passivity. 
You know, a whole congregation can entice one another to be passive. A whole community can have something that stirs one another to be active. Which congregation do you want to belong to and then take the step of the one you'd like to be? I think most of us would step. What is your next step? Amen. Well, I want to pray for us and then I want us to turn our chairs and, and talk about this and maybe you can look, we can keep that on the screen. Maybe you know what you need to do and if, you, if it's your, your, your wife or your husband, you can be very honest and say, now I know what I have to do. I have to find that person. I need to say sorry to that person. I need to ask God for forgiveness for this. If it's maybe someone you don't know as well that's sitting next to you, just have a chat with them. What, what stood out for you? But let's arm our hearts to be a church that takes action. Amen? Father, I want to thank you for everyone that's here tonight, for every disciple. And Jesus, we want to thank you that you went all the way when they crucified you. You took the next shot and the next one. They didn't know it, Lord, but when they were putting the nails in your hand, you were holding your hand there because you were willingly laying yourself down. When they raised you up, they thought they've pinned you to the cross. There's no way. There's no one you can call to. But you breathed and you endured. You took those important steps so that we can meet you, be forgiven, and be with you one day. And today we ask you, what are those steps that Werner has to take? What are those steps that Germa has to take? What are those steps that Marky needs to take? What are those steps for Devon? Here we are, Lord. We want to follow you as a church. And as we bring our hearts to you, thank you that direction will become clear. A light will dawn. And then give us the courage to move and put out our hand and go all the way for you, Lord. We worship you. Amen. Amen. Will you turn your chair to someone and, and whatever comes to mind, um, maybe take three or four or five minutes and, and let's just chat about it. Cool. Let's go.